mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is Danielle, and we have Mia. You might remember me. I'm kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> um, I've done, is it three episodes now? I, I This might be your fourth. Yeah, I think, I think so. It's going to be like a SNL five timers club. You know how those Oh my God, we should have that. I should. We should get you robes. Oh my God, yeah. I could totally go for that. Just like some really nice fabric. Like... <laughs> I could go for a weighted blanket. You guys should give out weighted blankets. Oh, that's good. You know what? That would actually be so on point because it's for anxiety. And like three quarters of our episodes are all about anxiety and mental illness and everything. Three quarters of my brain is anxiety. Uh, so that yeah, works too. Perfect. Uh, so they, people have been asking for this episode for so long. And um, dad isn't here today. He is working. Boo. It is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day out there. So I'm kind of I like that it's me and you. I mean, I, I I always miss dad when he can't be in episodes, but I don't know. It's nice Mother's Day. Sit here. I get to have a really nice conversation with you. We just watched. We finished watching Heartstopper. Oh, my God. So good. Do you want to tell people how much I cried during the last episode? <laughs> um, spoilers. No, like, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. No okay. spoilers. I want everybody to watch Heartstopper oh my God. on Netflix. Watch it. It's so important. It's so good. It's like. This isn't really a spoiler. It's just like it's so important to watch because it's like um, it's such a good show. And it's like I don't know how to explain it. It's like it manages to stay away from most harmful tropes. And it's like um, everyone's happy. No one dies. And like, honestly, um, you'd be surprised at like how necessary and important that is. And like how like uncommon it is, especially for a teen show. Right. Yeah. Um. It's great. Everybody go out there and watch that. But today, so you've done your coming out episode. We did an episode with Chloe Hayden yeah. um, about neurodiversity. And that was before you were diagnosed. Mm -hmm. You did the episode with Ian. That was recent. That was, that was actually the night we got Momo. Oh, that's the night we got our cat. All right. Yeah. And now we are going to talk a little bit about your journey getting diagnosed um, with, uh, well, all right, do you want to tell everybody what your diagnosis is? So my diagnosis ended up being autism, ADHD, and an unspecified learning disorder, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so basically what that means, I guess, is that my brain, um, that means I'm neurodiverse, which basically means that my brain doesn't function within the norm as it would be, I guess. Um, I guess that's the best way of explaining it. It's like, um, like being neurodiverse. That's inclusion. That's that includes like anyone who has autism, ADHD, um, any sort of learning disability, OCD. Um, is I was gonna ask if mental illness is, is under that umbrella. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So it's just basically you're not neurotypical. You fall somewhere else on the spectrum. Right. Although that's not. Although um, that's not confined to the autistic spectrum it's the entire spectrum of brain work okay right okay because neurodiverse it doesn't have to you don't you could be neurodiverse and not be on the spectrum of autism yeah okay and during this episode i want to say a few things i am probably going to mess up some language you are amazing at you you take such care in learning all the terminology you've done that with lgbtq terminology i work my best yeah. you do you do and you and you um have you know when it comes to autism and the spectrum and um mental illness and everything you are you make it a point to be really good about language 
I basically I'm the politically correct one of the family if you want to put it into layman's <laughs> terms. That's true. But um I am not quite as good. I'm also of another generation and most people listening to this are And of we're working generation. on that. So most people listening to this, although I hope a lot of people your age and younger will listen also. Um so just be patient with me. But and kid friendly. And what? Kid friendly. Kid, what's kid friendly? Oh, be kid friendly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's good so that everybody can listen. Um, okay, but I w- people want to know and I want to know, when, when did you start thinking about getting evaluated? When did this start? So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I mean, everyone was questioning themselves, their life choices, who they were as people, yada, yada, yada. I was one of those very many people. And... Um, I was on TikTok, um, which I know how this sounds, but, like, a lot of it did come from social media. Like, um, for ages, I'd been, like, going on social media. I'd been seeing posts about autism and ADHD. And it's just like, hmm, that sounds like me, but let's not go too deeply into that. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I have way too much time on my hands. What do I do with it? And um, I ended up having a quarter-life crisis. <laughs> Okay. Although I'm not 25 yet, so uh, 10 years behind the quarter-life crisis. <gasps> teen angst. Teen, yeah, let's call it teen angst <laughs> for the time being. Um, and I was like, who am I? What am I doing? Like, um, And I always just like, I always felt like there was something missing. And I always felt weird compared to other kids, which I definitely am. Um, and it was just like... Um, Okay, there's, it feels like there's something off here. So, like, mm-hmm. what's going on? And um, I started thinking and thinking about it. And after months, I was like, okay, yeah, it's like, like, I think it was like a whole year before I ended up coming to you about it, really. Like, mm-hmm. almost a whole year. And throughout your life, you, because people say to me, well, how come you didn't realize it? You know, as your mom, how come I didn't realize it? And, and throughout your life, there's always been quirks, differences. Um, you're, you know, you're eating when you were younger, you were, and you still are, what people would call a picky eater. But I guess when you were younger, people would always say, oh, it'll pass, it'll pass. And a lot of it had to do with textures. And, um, you know, you, you just, you, you really would eat just carbs. I mean, pasta and, um, uh, you know, a pancakes or waffles or like there wasn't a lot of variety if anything was different then you could tell like one type of waffle from another and and that's still true today yeah yeah to point out yes yeah you you had a lot of that um when you were growing up and you never really outgrew it in fact I think it got worse um not whoops and that's that is definitely one characteristic of AS. ASD ASD right is is um, eating issues and yours really was to the extreme and and another one that you had I think in my opinion when you were growing up was the social the social component of it that's still very true today again yeah but you're you know you definitely have found your place and you found your people Um, you're so good at like seeking out your people but it has always been a struggle and you definitely um, weren't weren't maybe interested in the same things as your friends, right? Right. Um, you always had special interests. Do you want to explain what a special interest is? So special interests are like, um, so you know how like you have that thing you really like, and you have like your list of interests, except it's kind of different for autistic people because we get deeper into them than other people do. And we make like, and sometimes we make like our whole life revolve around it. And like, we have this list and like, okay, so this is something like, it's always like going through my brain. Like, like when I was younger, it was Harry Potter. Now it's like cartoons. It's just like the thing that like, like, let's say you have a kid who's like, like I was like, they're really into Harry Potter and like, um, and they're like, I don't know how you, laser focus yeah they're laser focused on it like it's all they want to talk about it's all that they can think about that's kind of what a sense special interest does to you it's like well the saying does to you it sounds like a negative thing but it's like that's kind of what a special interest does it like kind of takes up your whole mind and that's not a bad thing it's, it's like it, I think that's even like more fun like that way because like then you like get really into things and I can't imagine like not like 
hyper focusing on the thing I really like. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that was something also growing up, like you said, the Harry Potter and, you know, you went through phases, right? Where you got really, really deeply obsessed with things. Those would be hyper fixations. Hyper okay. fixations are kind of like special interests. And some of them do turn into special interests. But um, hyper fixations are like kind of a label for those phases. Like um, it's like a short period of time where you get really into something like um, right now, I'm really into like our flag means death, heartstopper, etc. Mm-hmm. Right, and every, every, a, a lot of people w- get obsessed with shows and everything. I mean, certainly, like when I when I watch a show, I become obsessed with it. Like I watched Severance, and Aunt Amy and I watched like you know listen to six podcast episodes about it after and everything. But then we were done. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like the, it took like a couple days. We were really really into it. Or maybe something that comes up like, you know, I always talk about The Best Little Horse in Texas because it was my first movie and one of my favorite movies. So it comes up from time to time. But I haven't been hyper fixated on it for the last 40 years. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's 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 a different level of, can I say obsession? Is that? Yeah. yeah. No. Um, I mean, so like the difference is like um, someone with autism or ADHD, like, they'll like get really deep into it. Like they'll do as much research as they possibly can on it. It'll like become like their area of focus for the longest, as long as they can stretch it out and like gain serotonin from it. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh And and so those were things that you had growing up um, that I noticed were different. However, as we spoke about in the Chloe Hayden episode, um, Girls oftentimes go undetected when it comes to um, ASD. And I think that I, 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 as much as I knew something was different, or I don't want to say off, but it just different. Um, it, did, it wasn't in line with, with all of everything I knew about autism, everything we're taught about autism, because we're taught about it from all the research which has done been done in boys and males um and i also want to take this opportunity to discuss masking especially because we're discussing girls with autism um because that's something to like you have to like really look out for because like um in girls like um it can be so harmful masking is when like you study social cues and like um it's especially common with girls um who have autism but um, any person who's autistic can um, do this. So masking is when you, like, study social cues and, like, you, like, try to re, like, you try to, like, um, shape your personality around those social cues and, like, what other people like. And, like, you change the way you act and, like, who you are around other people, basically. Like, you have, um, like, you can have a different personality for, like, a different friend group and, like, um... And, like, different personality for, like, who the different people you meet. Um, and I've heard it be referred to as code switching as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that is something that you definitely really did when you were younger before you got diagnosed. I still do it to I this day. I still do it. And I think to a certain degree we all kind of do it, right? We all kind of mold ourselves to be, like, we're a different person than we are at our jobs than we are when we're with our friend groups. Or, But this is really feeling like you are not being yourself at all, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I mean, it, I don't think it could really be compared. Because, like, yeah, you're kind of, like, you can be, like, kind of, like, a different person with your friend group, I guess. But, like, with, like, masking, it's, like, taking time. Not, I mean, like, kind of, like, your brain is, like, in, like, survival mode, basically. Mm-hmm. So, you came to me, um, was it March of last year, 20? November, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. In November? No, of- December, actually. December of. 2020. Yes. So you came to me in December of 2020 and you said, well, you tell it because you were so nervous to tell me. And this is the part that as a parent, I'll never forgive myself for. Um, And this is the part that I say is so interesting because I think of myself as such an accepting mom. And and you had 
zero issue coming out. I mean, you didn't even really come out to us. You just sort of were like, this is who I am. And yeah, and I think Ian was the one who accidentally told dad. OK, but it, whatever it was, it, I don't think you were nervous about telling us about coming out. Yeah, a- and no. with but with this, you really were. Because, well, the thing is, the difference between coming out and being like, hey, I think I'm autistic. It's like um, coming out. It's just like, OK, yeah, it's, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. Like, yeah, it's like um, like this is but it's like it work didn't really like go into this for me. Like for some people, like har- coming out can be like really harrowing and stuff. And, like I hate coming out. But it's also like um, like, OK, it's like, yeah, this is who I am. Just like. It's just like a thing now. It's out there, but like what? But like with being like, hey, I think I'm autistic. It's like we have to do work for this. Like, um, like I like for this. Like I wanted to get diagnosed, and like I'm getting a diagnosis. Like you obviously know now. Like it takes time and lots of money, and mm-hmm. like it, and like effort has to be put into it. Like you have to like search for the doctor. You have to like. Um, find someone who's good. You have to like pay for it, and like, um, oh, and, like, so you were worried that it was going to be a huge burden on us. Partially, yeah, but it was also just like I didn't want to be dismissed for it, I guess, because like with my sexuality, it was like, um, like I knew how accepting you guys were and stuff, but like I didn't really like know like what your thoughts were on this particular thing, and like I was just like. What if she dismisses it? What if she tells me, like, oh, no way. I know you. I've known you for 16 years. I'm your mother. Like, uh, like obviously, I can think of you in that, like, negative sense. It's just, like, there's always that sort of anxiety when you're, like, telling someone something big. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you told me, um, I remember you saying, I really need to talk to you about something. And my heart was racing because I thought to myself, oh, my God, you know, there's as a teenager and with social media and everything, I'm like like a thousand things go through your mind when your kid says, you know, I want to tell you something, you know, and it could be a whole bunch of different stuff. And when you said, I think I have autism, I want to get diagnosed. Um, was that like relief? Oh, it was a relief. It oh. was a relief. <laughs> I mean, it was also everything you said. Everything you said was, you know, there were parts of my mind that were like, oh my God, okay, we're already dealing with the parents. I'm just being honest, you yeah, know, I for understand. all parents out there and everything. There was it's part important of, to be honest with Yeah, you yeah. I was like, oh my God, we've dealt with this pandemic and, you know, I already can't get our lives together and I already, I can't even keep on top of all our dentist appointments and everything. And now I have to research and this and that. And I don't know anything about, like you said. Yeah, that's part of what I was worried about. Yeah. And I honestly like felt this sense of like guilt, like half make you have to do this because I knew like how much you were struggling. Right. Right. I, I mean, I, so I, 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 I feel terrible that you didn't want to tell me, um, but it is true that, you know, once those words are out there and once it's out there, it's sort of like, OK, now we start this journey that feels really uphill. Yeah. Well, also, like um, the entire time, it wasn't just you. It was just like I was also so unsure of myself. It was like this is something that I think I'm going through. But like, how can I be so sure? Like mm-hmm. until I get that diagnosis, like. And there's so much stigma around self-diagnosis, which really shouldn't exist because, like, who knows you better than yourself, right? And, like... Well, I think one of the worries is, and this is what happened, so we we researched and found a neuropsychiatrist, sorry, neuropsychologist. The wait list was ridiculous at almost everywhere. I mean, it was... I couldn't believe it. I was calling doctors and they were telling me six months, seven months, a year... Um, and you know, when you, when you have a kid who has, first of all, waited to tell you and also that, you know, is so upset and so feeling so much stress and angst and everything, you don't want them to have to wait six or seven months. Um, you know, in that you were, you were definitely like, you wanted it done now, you know, like you wanted, you were so ready. Um, so that part of it was hard also. And I finally found someone who was like four month wait, um, and they were supposedly really good and everything. But once we found the, uh, the neuropsychologist and everything and how I found her was actually 
you know, through um, Aunt Amy, who knew somebody who had gotten her daughters diagnosed. And so, you know, you sort of you if you're open enough, you can ask people. And thankfully, we are open enough that we were like, hey, you know, we need we need help with this. Who did you use or and that does make it easier. But one thing the neuropsychologist said when we first went in there um, was that she was worried and we have to take a break soon. So I just I want to put this out there and you'll answer it when we get back. She was worried that you had been very influenced by TikTok because I guess that was the trend of what was going on. A lot of kids, especially girls, were coming in to get diagnosed because they had sort of been uh, influenced by TikTok and, and thought that they were neurodiverse because they had seen all these TikToks and were like, oh, well, I have that trait, so therefore I must, you know, be on the spectrum also. So there's been sort of this mass, um, you know, uh, this mass like movement of girls self-diagnosing themselves and wanting to get diagnosed because of TikTok. And that was one thing the neuropsychologist first asked me was, is she just doing this because of TikTok? And I think she asked you that also. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. And I want you to tell me about that because I know that TikTok right now is having a huge influence. So we'll be right back. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Well, I don't know that I would, like, really consider myself influenced by TikTok. It, like, it was something that was, like, sort of building up, like, for ages. Um, And honestly, like, I don't think it's such a bad thing that, like, girls are out there trying to get diagnosed. Because, like, like there's so much, like, there's so much out there. Like, there's um such, like, a lack of diagnosis, gnosis, I guess. Um, like, for, especially with girls. And it's, like so good that this is being normalized for young women who are, like, starting to question themselves. Like, because, yeah, sure, maybe a bunch of these girls don't actually have autism, but a good amount of them do, I'm sure. And, like, um, it's, like, so important that this is a topic that's being normalized. It's just, like, maybe there is some misinformation out there, or maybe it's just, like, that they're not doing the research that they need to be doing, or maybe they're, like, not taking enough time to think about it like I was, and just, like, I, honestly, I don't know their stories, so I don't really know how to speak for them, but, um, but for you, it just felt more like representation, not like it was, you were feeling, um, really influenced by it, you were just sort of like, oh, yeah, that, that looks like me. Honestly, I was scared that I was being influenced by it at the time, but it's also just, like, but it was also kind of that, it's just, like, Oh, it was like so. There was like so much self doubt in it. It was like, oh, but I'm. I don't know if I'm that extreme, or oh, I don't know if I do that. Like as much as they probably do it, you know, or or like, oh, I'm not. I don't really identify with that trait. And you and you really start to question yourself, right? Like, am I making yeah. this up? Am I blowing it out of proportion? That was such a big issue with me. I have like so. I'm so bad with that, like with imposter syndrome and stuff. And it's like. Um, it was just, like, it was such a, like, rough time for me, because, like, I was questioning, like, my entire life, like, when your kid comes to you and they say, hey, I think I have autism, it's something to take seriously, because, like, this, like, most of the time, this is going to be something, like, that they've thought over for, like, ever, so, like, I think, like, the first thing you do is, like, okay, so what, um, so I'm completely here. I'm ready to support you. But what makes you think this way? And um, and like, why don't we do some research together, I guess? Mm-hmm. Like, those should be your first thoughts. And I think a lot of times parents, in the, on the other aspects of it, the other side to it, don't come to their kids because they're worried that their kids are going to be like, oh, my goodness, how can you think this about me? And all of this. But a lot of times it's actually a relief for the kid, right? Um, in my case, it definitely probably would have been, but I mean, I, I would understand if it's like, 
oh my god what no i couldn't be that because like a lot of the time it's like villainized and like made into this evil thing when autism isn't evil it's not good it's not bad it's just like it's there Um, what do you mean evil you think it's made evil or it's just made like uh like different and and weird all of the above okay because um there's so much like there's so much misinformation out there. Some that comes from like organizations that claim to be for uh, for like autistic people, but th- meanwhile they're the ones who like speak over us and like um stomp on our feet. Mm-hmm. And um we need to start like letting autistic people speak up for themselves because like then you'll see the truth. Like um like for me like with my autism it's like it's not a good thing it's not a bad thing like i would not be who i am without it that's for sure and it's like yeah it has its bad parts but it also has its good parts like uh, trust me every autistic person you're going to meet is a thousand times more interesting than any neurotypical you're gonna meet (laughs) i don't care (laughs) no offense mom actually i'm not neurotypical (laughs) so there you go okay um in fact i think the majority of people probably aren't neurotypical even if they've never been diagnosed with anything like like one thing that you when you when the when the when the neuropsychologist did the intake for me with you right when she wanted to when she was asking all these questions that obviously you couldn't answer about your birth or about when you were a toddler and all the things that you did and with every question she would ask i was like Oh my God, yes. How could I, how did I miss this huge meteor in this? Like, I'm curious, do you have an example? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when, when you were younger and even till now, you know, the, the aspect of being obsessed with everything that you're obsessed with, but having a really hard time listening or focusing on anything that someone else wants to share with you. You know, right. which is kind of not typical. I mean, dad is like that too. <laughs> but but then I again, think he does have ADHD. Yeah, so. yeah. But is he open about that on the podcast? Oh, totally. Okay, yeah. Um, I didn't want to like out him. Or oh anything. no, no, no. And and he has ADHD. And you know, fifty to seventy percent of people who are diagnosed with ADHD, and I believe autism also. It's it is biological. It's genetic. Yeah. Um. Ian has ADHD. I have ADHD. Yeah. Dad has ADHD. I'm um, pretty sure I have it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but um, but so you know, you start you start hearing these things that the that the neuropsychologist asks, and number one, you're thinking to yourself, "How did I miss this?" And number two, you're like, "Oh my god!" You know, uh, this reminds me so much of this person that I knew growing up, or this person that I knew, and and all these questions. Like when you really break it down, you're like, "Oh my god!" This explains so much about either my aunt or a cousin that I have or a friend or, you know, you you start to really hone in on so much makes sense now because these questions they ask are so different than what we grew up believing autism to be, right? right? So, So in my mind, having that experience and that intake, not only did it help me to understand you so well, I started to understand things about people in my past, also and it like helps you learn about what autism actually is based off of what you've been told absolutely yeah and you know and you start thinking to yourself god you know i grew i grew up with grown-ups and stuff who if it was today i'm sure they would be on the spectrum but they just were never diagnosed because they didn't have that very narrow range and idea of what autism looked like so it really, even though the evaluation was for something or the intake was some, was for you, it really opened my eyes to so much that I um, had never thought about before. I don't know. It was kind of an interesting process for me too, even on my, you know, on my own without you. Um, okay. And then when, when you were in the evaluation, is there anything you want to share with anybody out there who's thinking about getting evaluated? What was it? What you expected, what you not expected, what what were your big takeaways from the actual process? Honestly, I mean, like I was so scared to do it, um, but it's it was I knew how worth it was going to be, um, and it was pretty much what you'd expect, um, like drawing shapes, talking about yourself, which was great because I love talking about myself, as you may know, <laughs> um, and the 
one thing, one part of it that I really hated though is like they had me like click this button every time I heard or saw like a specific number, and it was just like it was it was fifteen minutes of it at a time. It was the worst. Do you know what they were looking for with that? I think it was like to test my patience. I don't know. No, but, you think? Probably because like, I nearly fell asleep like four times. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's so many hidden things in in what seems like such an obvious, you know, like drawing shapes. And they probably weren't looking for anything that you think they were. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and we went, so we went, um, we traveled into the city a few times. New York. Into New York. Yep. And... Um, and you know, it was definitely a process. You missed a bunch of school and I got McDonald's. That was fun. You did get me. We door dashed lunch um, <laughs> and it was the pandemic and you couldn't eat inside. So we were eating outside and it was like, it was very strange being the pandemic also. You yeah. had to wear, and, but you couldn't wear a mask because well, I, ha- I did wear my mask. Oh, you did? Yeah. There was just like one part where she asked me to take it down okay. so that like she could see like how my I don't know like what my expressions looked like or like how my mouth was moving. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not really sure. Looking back, honestly, like a lot of it is fuzzy to me now. I have terrible memory, and it was hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and and I, I guess it it really it's it's an involved process. And um, at the end of it, you're sort of waiting, and and it was so hard because you know. I was so constantly anxious. Like, I didn't feel like I could do anything except wait for my results. Yeah, you were really... I was a wreck. You were a wreck. And and we didn't know what your results were going to be. I mean, we were, I was pretty positive you were going to have ADHD. That I kind yeah. of knew. But the autism factor was interesting because, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if... We, we weren't sure you know right. we, we didn't so know we, and all honestly like it all honestly and all honesty for there were like a few months where i was teetering like between like okay i have autism no i have adhd no i have autism no i have adhd and i was like there's no way i have both i'm not like that weird and turns well, out not, turns out that i am that weird no you're no, not it's a good it's a good thing okay it's not a bad thing okay. like I mean, like, I know, like, saying, like, oh, I am that weird, like, gives it, like, bad, maybe it sounds like it's giving bad connotations, but, like, being weird is, like, my freedom. Yeah, no, I love being weird, too, so I get it. I get it. I do. I love being weird, too, so I I totally understand. Um, And um, we're actually putting out one of our merch T-shirts that we're putting out for Mental Health Awareness Month is please don't call me normal because I, I like, I just love not, I love being weird and different, you know? And I love that you're embracing that aspect of yourself too. And I know it's taken time. Um, so when we got the, the results, there was part of me that was like, you know, you're, boy, you're really waiting for someone else to, to tell you whether or not, you know, all you are who you are. Yeah. All these huge things about the course of your future. And like the, your past too because like it explains so much like i remember i was like celebrating when i got the news because like oh my god i have answers this is me this is who i am i have an explanation mm-hmm. it made me so happy i was like crying i was like so i know who i am now i i have an explanation for who i am and this is why i do this and this is why i'm like this and and like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were, you were really happy, and I was a little bit nervous that she was going to say that you know that you weren't on the spectrum at all. I, I, I would have been, I, I would have been surprised if she didn't, just because with the intake and everything. I mean, all the questions that she was asking me, and I was sort of like, yeah, she, yeah, that makes, mm-hmm, yep, that too. Did she did that? Yep. You know, so there was a lot of of things that made sense but there was part of me that felt like you were going to be disappointed if you hadn't gotten it i probably would have but it's also like i I don't even think it's just like that like i mean it was like i was kind of like building myself up for myself so much and it was Mm -hmm. also just like i desperately craved those answers it was like a necessity for my state of being like and like if I don't think I would have been like that invested in it if I had, wasn't autistic. You came to me in December and you got 
uh, your diagnosis August 16th or yep, something. Yeah, two days before my birthday. So there were a whole bunch. Oh, yeah, it was a birthday present. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> I remember you were, like, focused on, like, okay, like, let's, like, okay, but, like, it's important for you to, like, be focused on your education with this. And it was just, like, okay, but, like, let's focus on, like, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. This is me. Right. Um, and, and so there was a lot of waiting in there. It was December to August and then you started school and, you know, we were going to, we, we, we were going to get you, um, an my IEP. Accommoda- my accommodations. Your accommodations. Or like a 504. Yeah, we I think really we're, sure. we, right. And I, again, I don't know any of this. Right. Like, this is not my. It's like, I can't blame you because I wasn't really doing the research for myself anyway. So it's like. Right. But, you know, you feel like as a parent, here you are taking on this responsibility that, you know, we're taught so many things, right? We we, we talk about how to deal with, you know, kids who, I don't know, you know. Like they're different. Like, it's always like in the sense like, oh, how how do you like get your kid to treat different kids nicely? Like. Um, like how to explain different kids to your kids who are supposedly normal. Right, right. We have all these things that we, you know, that we're kind of told how to deal with, right? Even like mental health stuff, there's a lot out there now, even though it's, you know, it still needs to get better. But this was something that I was like, okay, I truly know nothing about this. Um, and, and here I am, you know, navigating these waters like without a captain. I'm supposed to be the captain of this ship. And, well, and you know, and it's it's hard because you feel like you're supposed, you're, you're in charge and you're supposed to make everything better, but you're sort of like, I don't even know where to start. And, um, and that's scary. And, and, you know, so I, again, I reached out to people who I knew had kids who had gone through something similar. And that was game cha- a game changer for me that, you know, I, I called somebody who I know her daughter had recently gone through something similar. And that really was a ripple effect It kind of put everything into action for me, which is why I think it's so important that we're all so open about this. But, um, we went back to school. We were hopeful that it was going to make everything better. And then you want to talk a little bit about what happened when you went back to school? Because you've been having a hard time with school before that. Um. Yeah. So, I like, the year before, like, with the pandemic and stuff, like, everything shifted. And, I was, and like, we, I was virtual for, like, a long time. And, like, then I went back to school. But then I got COVID. So I ended up um, – and it was, like, late in the year. So I ended up um, doing virtual for the rest of the school year. And then they just shoved us back in full time. And, like, that's going to, like, be, like, a detriment to ev- everybody. And, like, especially, like, the kid who was just diagnosed with autism, ADHD, and a learning disorder. And, like, who was already struggling so badly with school. And, like, um, I was, like, shoved in there. And, like, um, and it was, like, full time and... Like, it was fully in school, and, like, um, even before that, we'd been doing half days. They didn't, like, like gently, like, bring us into it. It just felt like they we were, like, pushed into it. Um, and so, like, I just, like, I floundered. I didn't know what to do. I just, like, I kind of broke down. And you were having a whole lot of sensory stuff. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, one of my... Like, my issues with it were, like, classes, social stuff, and then there were the hallways. That was such a big issue for me. Because, like, um, like how big was the, that school? Like, over a 1,000 kids, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it was blocked scheduling. So everyone is going to their classes at the same time. And so that means I was in the hallway with, like, uh, the hallways were packed. Everyone pushes and shoves into one another, and, like, I couldn't handle it. Everyone was talking, and, like, they were with their friends, and, like, they were, like, pushing into me, and they were, like, walking too slowly, and I'm terrible with that. I can't handle people who are walking slowly in front of me. And so I would just, like, nearly broke down crying, just, like, walking through the hallways. Mm-hmm. And you were going to guidance a lot. Right. Coming home. You and I were fighting a lot. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of... I, was, I, I mean, I still, like, have a lot of trouble with, like, doing my work and stuff, but mm-hmm. it was, like, extreme. Right. 
okay. And then we figured out at a certain point, I think we realized that it just couldn't go on like this. Mm-hmm. And, and all right, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your new school. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So when you went back to school, it was really hard. Lots of stuff were happening. I mean, it was pretty much a disaster. And I guess I, I there was part of me that thought once you got diagnosed, it was sort of going to be this like miracle cure that, you know, everything was going to be better and you were going to know about yourself. And and obviously that's not the case. Um, right. and, and so, you know, the issues were still the issues. And in some ways they are even magnified because – Again, like you said, you guys were thrown back in full time and that was really hard for you with sensory overload after sort of working in your quiet room and, you know, having like your little setup and, you know, being able to do whatever you needed to and take breaks when you needed to. And I was saying my pajamas the whole day and like, um, and I always had like a sort, I've always like kind of had issues with like, um, like jeans and stuff and like that kind of fabric and, and so I was like. I was wearing regular clothes again. I had to act like a normal human again. I had to mask full time. And it was like, it was like taking like such, it was taking so much out of me. Mm -hmm. And then there was one day when you really kind of had a breakdown. And you were in the guidance office. and, um, and And she called me to pick you up. And at that point, I remember thinking to myself, this can't stay at the same I was so at that moment I think it was a little bit you testing me like okay are we gonna really do something about this and I think a little bit of me finally realizing oh shit I am not taking this quite as seriously as I need to yeah and um and so I hired an advocate Mm -hmm. who we went to and we sort of were exploring different ideas um and And I had the idea to move to a new school because I heard that if it got bad enough, then the school would pay for it themselves. And I was like, a new school, like a school that like takes care of my needs and interests. Huh. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. It's definitely so much different than my old school where I maybe had one or two conversations with each of my teachers before leaving. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, well, and it was complicated. She sort of explained to us that we wouldn't get paid for because you were already a junior and this, the district would probably just put it off and not pay for it, you know, because there was so you had so little time left in the district. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't know it was going to be a lot of court battle. And, and by the time we got done with the court battle, you'd probably be in your senior year or almost a senior. And, and this was something that couldn't wait. So we, she recommended a school, and we kind of were rushing it. So we didn't look at too many schools, yeah. and we went and we looked at this school. And, and I guess everybody's sort of wondering, what's different about this school? What's better? And what, what is maybe, is like, do you still need to get more help with? Um, well, definitely what's better is the smaller environment. Um, like, there were thousands of kids in my old school, and, like, this school is middle school and high school, but it's like 25 kids per grade. So it's like so much smaller, so much better. And like the hallways are so much clearer, which, which, which is great. And like each class is 15 kids or less, which like, that was such a big change. And I was so like star, like struck when I was like, when I like, like when it happened, it was like, oh my god, like, this is so different. I like it so much better. Um, and I'm still so thankful for the smaller class size. It's it's really allowed for a much better experience. Um, 
and um you know, I still obviously struggle, like, socially, academically, but now I have, like, resources to help me combat that, and there's also the teachers, because, like, it's not necessarily that my teachers at my old school were horrible. Or no, you had, you had a few really wonderful teachers, too. Yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, it wasn't that, it was just that, like, these teachers were actually people I could get to know, and, like, um, like, I, like, with my English teacher now, I, like, I discuss, like, Marvel comics with him and stuff. Meanwhile, like, I never, I got the chance to talk to my old English teacher once, and that was when I would let her know I was transferring schools. And that's just because they're so overwhelmed. Yeah. And they're just, like, they probably feel as overwhelmed as you did in that classroom. There were, like, 25 to 30 kids in each class. I honestly feel, like, so bad for them, like... Mm-hmm. It was insane. It was a lot. So uh, there are a lot of good things and still stuff that you're working on. But again, they, you know, they sort of cater to kids who have ADHD and anxiety. Yeah, ADHD and anxiety. Not as much autism, but they are. They are. Well, I'm sure there's a good population of kids who deal with that. Right. And, and the school, no matter what, just wants to support you. So it's really been great. It's extremely far. Yeah. Um, it's an hour and a half drive there and back. Not, I mean, like, it's an hour and a half drive there. It's an hour and a half drive back every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, but it's worth it. Because, like, even though I, I, we never ended up doing the IEP or, like, the 504, they still, um, they're still honoring my accommodations. And, um, I'm even auditing one of my classes now because I was struggling with it. And, like, it's made my life so much easier. And, like, I, and... The person I discussed about it with, I was, I discussed it with was the assistant head of school. I didn't even know the name of my uh, principal or assistant or my vice principal at my old school. Mm -hmm. I still don't. Right. And I think that was also part of it was because, you know, you were never a behavior problem. You were never sent to the office, you know, for that kind of thing. And so you really were kind of like, you know, you're not, you're, you're not a star student. You know, you're you're not the type of kid who, you know, you're not in the honor society. I'm just kind of mixed in with the crowd. Yeah. And and so I think you got, you know, you definitely got lost in the shuffle some as I I mean, look, that the pandemic made everything so hard. And I everybody knows I am the biggest. I mean, I love teachers so freaking much. And you I'm, were one. I was one. And I'm not at all putting this on teachers at all. But it is overwhelming, you know. Um, to be sort of in that large middle range of students who, you know, kind of sometimes get overlooked. And so because you weren't a, a problem or anything, I think that the, the type of help that you really needed um, what wasn't really recommended or, or suggested. Yeah. Teachers I, never came to me or, or nobody ever came to me and said, hey, you know, maybe we should talk about Mia or like it just never happened. Yeah, and, and like, when I did end up having problems in school, it, like, my teachers were too overwhelmed to, like, mm-hmm. actually do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, like, I always just been, like, it, it felt like I was a background character because, like, I wasn't very memorable. I wasn't, like, I didn't have tons of friends. I, I mean, like, I was never, like, popular or anything. And, like, um, I didn't have, like, inside jokes with teachers like some students did. And, um... I just like wasn't memorable or anything and um at this school it feels like my teachers actually know me and I get to talk to them and like um and like I have it's just it's just so different Mm -hmm. it's like I never thought a teacher would like remember like like would actually like remember my name every time they saw me I guess and like I never felt like I would like actually like have relationships with my teachers the way I do now. Mm-hmm. What have been the best resources for you? I'm so interested. Like along this whole journey, now it's been you know a couple years um, since you've really started thinking about it. What would you say you know have been the best resources for you? Um, I guess probably. Well, when I was like starting to like self-diagnose and like figure out what was going on obviously like tiktok and social media were big were big because like like i said i was i would see all of these posts like i would see all of these posts that would like discuss like oh haha adhd moments or like 
um, hey, this is actually an autistic trait in girls, and, like, they would be educational, or they would just joke about, like, oh, ha, oh, ha, ha, like, this thing happens, like, with ADHD, and it's, like, that's, like, a bit too eerily similar to, like, what I do, um, so, obviously, like, that really helped me out. Maybe like, next week hmm, for our, our website, you'll make a list of a bunch of resources that we can put out for everybody. Yeah. Would you like to do that? Okay. Yeah. Do's and don'ts, maybe. I also wanted to ask you what parents can do out there to help make the world, schools, and everything, like you were feeling easier for kids with you know who are neurodiverse what how can what can we say to our children to help make them allies in a sense like to help make them a people who support people like you well the best thing you can do for anyone is educate them um help them like see the light the true light of a situation like i was saying like um like, there's so many misconceptions of autism out there, and the main thing you need to do is listen to people who are actually autistic. That is the biggest thing you can do. Um, listen to me today. Um, find your favorite autistic TikToker out there. Listen to them and a few others, maybe. Um, I bet there are some good books, too, out there for kids. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. And find ones that are written by actual autistic writers because, like, sure, maybe a neurotypical person could accurately represent us, but they've been speaking over us for too long, and it's time that, like, we're able to finally speak up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So just a basic empathy and everything. And also, I think, not to assume that everyone is neurotypical, that if oh, somebody yeah. is doing something like that, you know, sometimes it seems like someone's being rude or someone is... Uh, you know, being um, being abrupt. And, and I think the first thing that we need to think to ourselves, which is something I've had to do, honestly, with you, there were times when I would say to myself, oh my God, she's, look how she's speaking to that person or whatever. And, and now I have to say to myself, wait a minute, this is literally something that she can't control. That yeah. is, and so I think a lot of times that, you know, if we say to our kids, look, Sometimes when somebody's talking to you or you're at school and somebody is talking in class or whatever and they they appear like they're being rude, they might have something else going on. Like there might be something in their brain that actually doesn't allow for them to have the patience or, you know, the know-how to act in the same exact way that you would as a neurotypical. And usually if I'm being rude, I either don't know it i i think i'm like just being a normal human being i think i'm just like making conversation or it's because i'm extremely burnt out and i deal with like insane burnout i um and like so many autistics do all pretty much all of us do i think Mm -hmm. and i think also um on the other hand you know you recently said to me um that someone in your life had used the wrong terminology. You don't like the term Aspergers and they use the term oh. Aspergers and um and you said to them I actually you know prefer you don't use that term because that well I guess people can research that. But but basically you were patient and you explained to her the reasoning. And I think on our end we sort of need that patience. I think sometimes we're so worried about you know, um, upsetting people or that we're a little bit afraid sometimes to try to have the conversation and try to learn because, um, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to get, you don't want people to think that like, because you're not using the right terminology or whatever, that you're um, a terrible person. Yeah. You know, that you're uneducated or this and that. The, The terminology is changing so quickly and, and everything changes so quickly. Sometimes it's a little hard to keep up, but we want to try, um, you know. So I, I do think that sometimes, you know, you have to sort of take a deep breath when someone uses the wrong term or whatever and be like, actually, can I just explain to you why this term is better? Because some, we just don't know. Um, so, you know, the patience with that. Someone also asked, um, uh, actually, a bunch of teachers asked, of course, because um, teachers just want to help you so much. What can teachers do to make classroom environments 
better and more, um, you know, sensory, like, uh, what's the word? Friendly. Sensory friendly. Um, fidget toys, definitely. Um, fidget toys are one of the most important parts. And maybe, like, if you can, like, I know it can be expensive, but um, if you can find some that aren't expensive, um, noise-canceling headphones are so great. Um, I would love a pair myself personally. Cough, mm-hmm. cough, mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and to maybe also to normalize them in your classroom, right? Right. That someone who wants to wear, um, you know, uh, noise canceling headphones is just it's just a, a a common thing to do in the classroom. Yeah, and um, like it's important to give kids some space and like some time to themselves. I guess like, um, as someone who deals like with like insane burnout, I. I assure you, like, teachers out there, please give your kids a break every once in a while. Like, um, whether they're high schoolers or five years old, breaks are important no matter who you are. Like, and it can be so easy to work yourself to, like, to completely burning out. Um, And your new school has a built-in break time. Yeah. um, Break time is great, whether it's a snack break or, like, a reading break, a reading break in quotation marks, where really you just like give the students some time to like re, like re, like just like give them some time to breathe and like stretch or just like fifteen minutes of like, um, of time that'd be great. And also, if we're going back to sensory friendly things, softest rugs you can imagine. Please give me soft rugs. Yeah, what you mean like for story time and stuff when they're younger? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, sometimes I could never handle the rugs that that the teachers got. Like you know, like the fuzzy like blankets and stuff. Like yep. if you can find that material in a rug, I'm sold. Oh, that's great. Um are, are there certain habits that you've started doing or things that you've changed since your diagnosis that have helped you? Um, I think I've started stimming more and I've also noticed like if, like, I watch, like, a TikTok from someone who's autistic, I, like, or, like, if I watch something where someone's autistic, I, like, no, I, like, start to notice, like, I kind of, like, remind myself, oh, hey, that's me, and I start, like, acting more autistic, I guess, like, like, I start, like, fidgeting more and, like, flapping my hands more and, like, jumping around more and, like. Why do you think that is? I think it's because, like, I'm so used to masking. Mm, so it gives you the permission to do it. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, that's me. And then it's like, so I can be me. La, la, la. Oh, that's interesting. And stimming is wh- what? Everyone stims, really. It's not even just a neurodiverse thing. It's literally just, like, like when you, like, hum, hum a song or, like, blink your, eye, blink your eyes really fast. Or, like, if you tap your foot or, like, um like shake your hands it's like it's just like little movements and like little things that you do throughout the day mm-hmm. so you've you think you've had more permission to act like you yeah definitely uh-huh I, I've noticed that also I think that you have more confidence when you're doing the things that feel comfortable and just come to you naturally yeah, and honestly, sometimes it feels like I need research to do research to be myself. Like, I was just kind of thinking that because it's like, so I'm autistic. That means I get to do things now and I don't have to yell at myself for them. But what are those things? Mm-hmm. I still really feel like that a lot. And so, wh- OK, what are your hopes? This is this is my question for you as your mom. Mm-hmm. What are your hopes for yourself like and your lifestyle and how you're able to live as an autistic person who is you know almost you're almost an adult you're almost 18 I mean technically an adult yeah um and you know next stage of your life is coming and everything what are your hopes and dreams as someone who now knows you're on the spectrum well I'm 16 so don't rush it no I'm not rushing it trust (laughs) me trust me trust me I'm not rushing it um but um, my hopes are that I can find the accommodations I need throughout life. I still don't really know what I need yet. I'm definitely not ready to be an adult, but that's a conversation for later. Um, I'm really hoping, like, I can just, like, become my true self because I still don't know who that is. And, like, I'd love to really, like, find myself before I become an adult and, like, know who I really am and what I want in life. Like, I think I know the ma- majority of what I want and, like, 
on and I just want to be like happy. That's all mm-hmm. I want. And mm-hmm. I want to be comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. I think it's changed our ideas about what we're looking for next as far as, you know, college or whatever, like the what is important and what's not. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that that our focus has shifted a lot to we need to find somewhere that's going to be really wonderful and nurturing and accommodating. And, you know, and those are sort of the things that we're looking for the most. And, uh, you know, that I, I talk a lot about how I grew up, you know, sort of being told that you go to the college, the best college that you can get into with the best name, because that's just how we all grew up kind of. And I think now my feelings on that have completely changed to, I kind of don't, give a crap about the name or the, you know, the accolades or whatever. I care that it's a nurturing environment for you and that it has the, the accommodations that you need. Um, That's how I feel. Yeah. I think that that has been um, a big change. Also, we got you um, an executive function coach. We got you uh, an academic coach. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. I love her. Yeah. And that has been really wonderful also um, that, you know, to, that it's been truly an incredible thing you know it's not therapy and it's not a teacher it's kind of like both for school kind of put together yeah, but it's like kind of like dialed down yeah it's like it's really nice um and like she's so great to talk to i really like getting to work with her and like it's like so great working with her because it allows me to just like sit down do my work talk about what i need to talk about then I'd I do my work, forces me to do my work, which I really need. It's great. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was pretty strategic about who I found for that. And I, I love her. So yeah, yeah. I, I really, I you know, I didn't high. want just any academic coach, although I'm sure there are a ton out there. I really wanted someone who I felt like you could be yourself with. And she seemed like a really awesome fit. So um, that would be kind of be one of my recommendations to parents that if you're number one, if you're going to do that. Um, to just really sort of, you know, find the right one. It's sort of like a therapist or, you know, or a tutor or something. You kind of want the person to jive, like, with, with your child. And I think that's made a big difference. Um, well, I just want to say that I am so incredibly, incredibly proud of you. I hope Thank you know you. that. I do. Thank you. It has been a journey. It has had its ups and downs. We have had our ups and downs with it. It has been an uphill climb, but I feel like every step of it has been worth it. Um, I'm glad that we've come as far as we have, and I know that we still have a lot of work to do together to get you all those things that you want for your future and that we want for you for your future. Um, but I just, you know, I hope everyone out there knows that, um, the journey is, you know, it is hard, but it is worth it. And, um, I love you so much. And I know everybody out there right now is supporting you and is grateful to you for being so open about it. Well, I, I I want to say the same to all of them, all the things you just said, and there's no one I'd rather go on this journey with. Aww. So I love you, sweetie. You did. You wrote, you, you wrote me the sweetest Mother's Day <laughs> card. It was really, really sweet. I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear you think that. Yeah, I really do. All right. Well, Dad and I love you, and I love we're you so too. proud. Um, if you want to listen to the other episodes with Mia, go through. She she has an episode about um, coming out, which was really awesome. The Chloe Hayden episode was really good. Uh, the episode with Ian is fun. It's not good, but it's fun. I mean, it's a fun episode. I got, We got a lot of great feedback about that episode. Um, Glad to hear it. They yeah. want more. Yeah, and um, we have merch coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. It's my face all over. E- everything has Mia's face just plastered on it. Yeah, it, we have a sweatshirt that's just like my face a billion times. <laughs> um, no, joking. Um, but go buy their merch. Yes, and, um, and also date night questions, please. Oh, yeah, go buy that. Yeah. <laughs> marriageandmartinis.com slash dnq mnm podcast for 20 percent off our biggest discount for listeners and thank you all so much for all your support we love you and we will see you next week and i want to get the last word in bye